Uh, think about the guts that takes. Yeah. To, to sit across. Yeah. It's not just because a lot of folks in private meetings with their boss at review time or whatever will sit across and maybe bring up a grievance, but he's essentially in a contract window. Yeah. And he sat across from his boss with the whole world watching. Because that State of the League news conference, you know what that yes, is. Yes, yes. Um, I've been to some of those. You can feel the tension when you walk in the room. Yep. He sat in front of God and everybody and said, your hiring policies suck. I told you last year that they sucked. I'm telling you now they still suck. You lied what, about doing What are you going to do about yeah. it? Yeah. And, and, and in part of his answer, he said, well, if your numbers are yeah. correct. I mean, he's so – he's – I mean, I think Roger Goodell is the worst. That's kind he, of – that's condescending very to, to even start with. First of all, this man is a journalist. He fact checks stuff for a living. Like, that's just like. Now, he did get something wrong, and he admitted that. And, and he that admitted surprised it. me. And he kept it a buck. My thing is, when he does that, like, he don't understand. Like, he don't got to do that. Like, he had to, for us. See, there's always a ceiling where we going to get to. It's, you, you, you going, yeah, we'll give you a job, but you going to get here. You not listen. This this is this upward mobility, and I will give him a, a, an example of that. Listen, when the George Floyd thing happened, the whole world woke up, right? We come back again, and now the word woke is a bad thing again. Now it's just complete diversity, and we just want to include everyone. And, and now, when anytime you bring up the fact that you know sixty-five to seventy-five percent of the people are, are black players in the, in the NFL, and you, they're not represented in, in, on the sidelines by coaching. Everybody goes on. They get offended by that number. Well, maybe they don't want to. Well, not everybody gets offended. But a, there's a certain segment of the population. They get upset. Well, why would? Offended. Does it really matter? Or maybe they, maybe the African American players don't want to coach. The reality of it is, when you're looking at it, and, and, and when 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 a certain group of people grow up, there's a certain level of status. There's a certain level of rules and engagement that you understand that you know. When he said, told his people. Amen. It's a lonely world out here. It's a cold world. Man, I live it. When I go to functions, it's just one of you. It's two of you, maybe. I, I just, that, that is a, and to be able to move in a room where you know you got a different culture, you got a different upbringing, you may grew up in different circumstances, but you have to be able to move in a room full of people that have none of the shared experiences you do is the hardest thing in the world because if you go if you revert too far to the left you're the angry black guy if you revert too far to the right you're uncle tom if you stay in the middle people gonna say well you ain't never stood for nothing there was it's such a burden to be able to be able to move and to progress and just to be an individual in this type of climate and, and for the fact that he can say that to one of the most powerful men in america is powerful. He's one of the most powerful people in the world because he looked strength. He looked at a person, the Roger Goodell, that made more money. He print money. This dude is a, a, the head of an organization that you would not stop in. And all those powerful people that sit with him up in the boxes, and for him to say that, that that that's that's powerful. And by bro. the way, for the record, because I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine that doesn't know Jim, and he said, well, maybe that was self-serving on Jim's part. And I got I got hot because I'm going to defend my friend. I've known Jim Trotter for over 20 years. He's always been that guy. This isn't some mm. new coat he's decided yeah. to wear out of convenience. Jim is committed to causes that affect people that look like him. And to the and honest, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the league can do because we had a conversation uh, not long ago about yeah. what can the league do. 
You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And that analogy is you can implement a Rooney rule where they have to interview minority candidates, but you cannot mandate who they hire. So you can only, the league is doing what they can. In terms of head coaches, what I found most egregious was the fact that those that are in positions of power that are covering the league don't look anything at all like the league. That's right. And the league is not doing all it can, Jay. I mean, the Rooney rule's a joke. No, how do they do more? Well, how they do more is what Jim talked about. I think it's important. I didn't realize that. Yes, there are not a lot of black people that have well, one and a half billion dollars to put Steve down. sent us a text. He yeah. said, of the 10 African-American billionaires, yeah. 10, yeah. only three can write a check for over $1 billion and still be a billionaire. And by the way, Jim's, Jim said that um, the, the purchase price was $4.5 billion. Right. He said they'd have to write a check for at least $1 billion. Well, in, in reality, it's, it's more like $1.3 billion. It's right. 30% of well, the purchase price. And, and obviously, so, the reason there's so few black billionaires is because we just had a conversation a minute ago about how black people in early your lifetime and just before my lifetime, probably was still going on early in our lifetimes, like we're not able to eat at the same places in certain parts of the country and not able to stay in the same hotels. And to make that kind of money, in general, most of the people that have that kind of money, it's generational wealth. Well, most of the billionaires didn't just become billionaires. No. They, it's, they, some did, certainly. Sure. But more than 50, I, I looked up the stat a few years ago, because we were talking about this during the George Floyd situation. And I think I read that it was 60-something percent of billionaires. It's generational. It's been passed down and passed down. Right. Yeah. And so, obviously, that was impossible. So that all those people had a running head start. Right. And so, uh, again, yeah, the... Uh, to Jim's point, they could lower that threshold. And by the way, the, the average price of the franchise is only going to go up. Yes. Right. If the Broncos went for 4.5, what are the Cowboys worth? Oh, my God. And so what happens is, as these price tags go up, that will soon be the average well, NFL. Think, think is about worth this, Jay. Billion. The Browns, since Jimmy Haslam bought the Browns, their value, I don't know what they'd actually sell for, but the value of the team compared to what he bought it for went up three times. Tripled. He's been the worst, arguably the worst owner in, in the league, maybe the worst owner in sports, certainly one of the one of the worst owner in sports. The team has done no winning. They've won one playoff game the entire time he's been here, and yet the franchise has gone up at three times in value. I've said this. So, to me, the only way it'll work is if you somehow incentivized um, owners with draft capital if they are if they are employing African Americans or minorities at certain positions because more than anything people care about winning people care about draft capital you said hey I'm going to give you a conditional second round pick I'll give you a third round pick if you hire an African American that made it to say for instance the Super Bowl say for instance to the NFC championship game we'll give you a two or a three people would honestly think about it because they would say well I'm, I, I, you know, if he's going to be getting to the NC Championship, he's going to get to the Super Bowl. Heck, we win. Plus, right. we get. Plus, we get a draft pick. Well, in, in a perfect world, none of this would be necessary. Yeah. In reality, that would even have to. In reality, it should be best person for the job. But the reality is that not everybody gets an equal crack. And when you're talking about the Haslam's, I, it's we, we've been really hard on them, and yeah. rightfully so. 
but it's only fair to point out they oh, should be commended. Good record on diversity. They should be commended on oh. hiring practices. Ray Farmer, Sashi Brown, that's absolutely Andrew true. Jackson, yep. Andrew Berry. They have been sort of the leaders, coaches, in, in defensive this. coordinators. Yeah. Yeah. They, they to they had me, an all black quarterback room. All, all black quarterback room. Thank so you. Th- well, that's I, a good. That's a good point. It, yeah. it should be brought up. In fairness, uh, the, the, I don't know how we get out of this mess, but I'll t- I'll say this: the fact that in this coaching hiring cycle. Eric Bieniemy did not get a job while there were two guys in there. I'm not saying they're not great coaches, but there were two guys in this hiring cycle that got jobs that a lot of people had to look up who the hell they were. <laughs> no one has to look up who Eric Bieniemy is. How long does the man have to do this at a very high level before somebody says he's our guy? I mean, it's he sad. should have been, had an opportunity years ago. Anyhow, thanks to Jim Trotter. Yeah. Uh, and check awesome. out his We book. will definitely have Jim back on yeah. to talk Browns and some other NFL issues. But he was awesome. We'll bring him back. We have to quell in 15 minutes. we got to talk a little Guardians first. And we'll, we'll save uh, fence questions for tomorrow with Brad. Okay. Yeah. Jason, your answer's already in, so we'll include you in that. But the Guardians come in at number nine on MLB.com's preseason <laughs> poll. Wow. Number nine, yeah. Wow. High expectations, highest in the AL Central. You're surprised by that. Yeah. Gene, take it away. Number nine, you like think that's too high. Well, well, no, I, I like I like the number. For me, I, I would look at you know the, the Guardians last year and say, okay, well they did um, win a playoff series, they did win a division, um, they did have ninety plus wins. I, I would not think that they had them coming in at nine. And I'm looking at some of the teams that um, is is above them, and I think that you can say. Looking at it, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, you could some, you could put them at seven as high as seven. If I'm looking at it, uh, that just goes to show you how much good young talent they have. Now, the problem that I think they'll have is I don't know how many of those young dudes can still replicate what they did last year. That's my fear. Usually in baseball, you get two or three guys that ball out, and then maybe one of those guys still plays well, the other guys don't. I don't know, and, and, and bullpens and pitching is year to year too. So when you got young teams and pitching, that means so much to the game. It's like, okay, well, if you got one problem here goes wrong, maybe an injury here, two guys don't really live up to standards. All of a sudden, you get a team that wins 86 games instead of the projected 92, and you miss the playoffs. But um, it just goes to show you they got talent. By the way, does this not make the temperature warm up 15 degrees looking at this video? Although it was actually warmer here yesterday than in Arizona. It was, well, it was. <laughs> That's an anomaly. Jay, was, yeah. Jay just got emotional because there's this thing. I played baseball since I was six all the way through high school. Um, when you, It's different when you start seeing people throw the ball around. There's this like tingle in your yeah, stomach. You're close. Yeah. Like you're you, close you, now. you get emotional. You'd be like, man, let me get my glove out and throw the ball around. <laughs> yeah. It's different right there, right? You're right. We you're love starter right. pitchers and catchers. What? Nine, high, too high, too low. Let me see right. the list again, Mikey. Can you put it back up there yeah, again? Steve, I'd like to see Yankees, Blue Jays, Phillies, Guardians. This is one through five. Astros, Padres, Mets, Braves, Dodgers, NL heavy for the five teams in the NL. Hard to quibble with those five. Yeah. Yankees, Blue Jays, Phillies, Guardians, Mariners, six through ten. I, I, I'm kind of. I mean, I'm. A, I would probably have the Guardians a little higher. Mm-hmm. I, I think seven through ten is interchangeable on that list. Uh, I actually yeah. think even. I'll tell you. I think the Dodgers aren't going to be as good this year. I think they're going to drop a little bit. But I wouldn't I, drop them seven through ten. No, they're still top five. I, I, I wouldn't listen. I'd put them in the top five right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if they end up not being a top five team. I think people are so used to them winning so many games. But they haven't really made any significant additions this year, and they've lost some key guys. 
Uh, the Yankees just lost one of their starting pitchers for the year. Yeah. Uh, although he's not, Mind he's us. lowered down in terms of their Frankie. importance. Uh, and uh, also, um, what's his name? Nestor Cortez might miss the beginning of the season too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, They've got a lot of pitching. The depth, National though. League, I think, is better right now at the top outside of the Astros. I don't think there's much question about that. Um, no. I, the Padres are going to be really good. The Mets should be really good. I think I would probably have the Guardians seven. I do think the Phillies got caught late, but I don't, I'm not a complete believer in them. Uh, but you know, all those teams are really good. I mean, yeah, you can mix and match. Yeah, I think they're, I think the Guardians are better than the Jay. What do you think? Just right, too high, too low. Jason, before you answer, do you want to see where the rest of the AL Central? Came in on their MLB yeah, power rankings. Yeah. Steve, take the next one. One thirty-eight. Imagine the White Sox. Take it, White right Sox have to be next. next. Yep. Five. Yeah. And then the Twins. Ooh, White Sox close. Yeah, Chicago could easily jump into that seven through ten range. They've got a ton of talent if they can stay healthy. Yeah. Minnesota, I, I might even put them lower. Uh, Detroit and Kansas City looks about right. Detroit, well, yeah, yeah, they that looks suck. about right. They're, yeah. they're, they're, those teams are both. They're young. Detroit's young pitching just hasn't. I think Minnesota's strategy of spending is odd. They put so much into one player. Yeah. And, I mean, I know it's a he's a good player, but I, I would rather spread that wealth out and get three kind of second-tier free agent guys. Yeah. Especially since they, they spend, have spend, But they have a bigger payroll than the Guardians. No, I know do. they do. Yeah. But um, they have a shortstop ready to go in Royce Lewis. I know they do. Have, if he could ever stay healthy. So, you got yeah, a guy in the pipeline. How injury. does Minnesota yeah. got all that money, bro? Well, it's a bigger market. It's a bigger market. It, it is? It is. Oh, yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. St. Paul together. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. they have four teams. They have a hockey team, too. Hockey. They have all four major sports. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, you had them just right? Yeah. Too high, too low? I think seven, anywhere. You, you could put them seven, I'd say okay. You could put them ten, and I'd say okay. My, those those teams, I think, are all about bunched together. Man. My answer, really, I think more than anything, shows the cynicism that a 57-year-old <laughs> black and blue sports fan <laughs> yeah. from Cleveland I know. has. I want to think that they are top 10. My fear is exactly what you said. Um, is last year repeatable? Last year, I'm not saying it was lightning in a bottle. I'm saying it, there were so many things that happened that were out of the norm of baseball tradition with so many first-time guys coming up and finding great success yeah. early. Um, the fact that all of those guys, to think that all those guys are going to repeat themselves, I just bring up the name Oscar Mercado. Right. Um, that's a guy that we thought we didn't have to worry about. You're going to put him out there and not think about that position for 10 years. Didn't work out that way. I'm not saying that Quan and Gonzalez are going to become Oscar Mercado. I just think, to your point, of the four or five guys that really broke through last year, some of them are going to have sophomore slumps. Yes. And... Unfortunately for the Guardians, the offseason was like a broomstick in the spokes of a front tire of a bicycle rider. You go from 100 to zero instantly, and now there's no momentum. I think what we saw last year was inertia and momentum and a young team in progress. But, it fed on itself, yeah. and it kept going, but, but here's and now the thing, it's over. Jay, here's the thing that I would say. Yes, some of those guys that played well yet last year will go backwards. Maybe permanently, maybe just for one season. Right. Baseball is the hardest sport to predict. There's much it more is. reliability in the NBA and the NFL. Mm -hmm. the, the players that are good in those sports, unless they get hurt or whatever, usually stay pretty reliable. There are some exceptions. Baseball, you have extreme. Like, look what Cody Bellinger was. 
I know. Mm. <laughs> How do you explain that? Right? Like, the guy was an MVP, MVP and now he's signing a one-year prove-it deal with the Cubs. Like, but here's the thing. In reality, in the lineup, they're really only relying on Gonzalez and Quan in terms of those young players, right? They are. Who yeah. else are they really relying on? No, those are the two well, guys, but one of those two could take a step back. True. But wouldn't surprise Will me. Brennan, Bo Naylor, I, you know, we could no, go on and pieces. on. Those are pieces. These are other guys that yeah. even if, say, one of those guys hits the skids, well, maybe one of those other guys, like Will Brennan wasn't up for very long. No. He's a, th- a highly thought of prospect. Same with Bo Naylor. Same with Gabriel Arias. And there's more and more. So, and so I think other guys could step up even if some guys step down. And the Guardians, let's face it, outside of the top uh, three in their rotation, they didn't have a lot of luck in the starting rotation. Well, that's no. where I was going to say. Did not. I'm going to give you a hot take. Yeah. I have more concerns with their rotation than I do their lineup. Yeah, I well, that's. I wanted a veteran too. starter I, on this team. I think we need. I, one. I think so. I I did a, I did <laughs> before Kevin Love took over my life yesterday. Yeah. I spent hours researching contracts and and I came across some incredible numbers. Stephen Kwan, when you talk about like regression, I'm not worried about him regressing since 2000. 16 rookies have recorded at least a five war. All of them, except one, are legitimate stars. Here's the list. Austin Jackson was the one bust. His, his war was five? Five. 5.4, I think it was. <laughs> a war over five. Because That's defensively, insane. he won a gold glove. Right. Here's That's the crazy. rest of the list of, of rookies to record a five war. Troy Tulowitzki, Mike Trout, Ichiro, Corey Seager, Adley Rushman, Julio Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, Aaron Judge, Jason Hayward, Michael Harris the second from Atlanta, the uh, rookie of the year. Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Pete Alonso, and Jose Abreu. I agree. Three of those guys were rookies last year, so we yeah, don't know. So we don't know right. what they're going to yeah. project out to. But, but both the of those rest other of that names, most of those guys, show me the bust. I even know the bust, but he was good, good for, for a long time. Yeah. I even but know yeah. those names. So, I say, yeah. oh, I know so those guys. I have, I have full confidence. And I actually, I got killed on the athletic because halfway through last year, I used Mercado and said, Quan looks great, but I remember Oscar Mercado and everyone's like, he is not Oscar Mercado. Right, right, right. Like, I'm not saying he is. I'm just making the point that but you made. Who amongst us would have said at the time Mercado was going to be a bust in a year? I didn't. Oh, I was never I thought, high on him. I mean, I didn't know that it was sustainable for a career at that level. Yeah. But I, 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 was I thought just, he'd be better. I, I thought he would be better. I didn't, think of, I didn't think of him the same way I think of Quan. Real but quick. I thought he'd be better. I know I we got the quote coming on, so I want to get through a couple more. Yeah. Uh, Andres Jimenez, not worried about him busting. He had a 7.4 war last year. Jeez. Yeah. The first time in nearly 100 years that a second baseman recorded a war of at least seven. Robbie Alomar didn't have a seven war until he was 31 years old his first year in Cleveland. He was a 10-time All-Star by then. So, and so... This is now you're predicting that, that they're going to give him this deal. That's the deal that I think pre- he projects to. And I know it looks like a lot. How of many money. years of arbitration left? Does he have? He's got one year of arbitration left. So the deal, the comp. So Jorge Polanco is the comp numbers wise, but contract wise, uh, Cabrian Hayes and the, and the, I almost said the Steelers, yeah, but the, Cabrian the Pirates, Hayes eight years, $70 million deal. Yeah. But Cabrian Hayes was only in his first year. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying yeah. he hadn't even done anything. Andres Jimenez is an all-star and a gold glove winner with one year of arbitration left. You think he'd accept that? I don't think he'd accept that. I don't think he would either. If I'm his agent and I get a hold of that stat, I'm like, no, 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 no. And this is why why projection pieces like this are so difficult. Yeah. I have no idea how desperate he is for long-term security. Some of these guys want to roll the dice. It comes down to the Some of them want the money right now. Right. Yeah. But that, I think, is fair market value for where Jimenez is right now. And maybe it is a little bit low. He's 24. 
It's eleven million. Yeah. See, if I'm Jimenez, I'm definitely going to roll yeah. the dice. I would I'm going to bet on that, myself. That puts. I mean, that doesn't put him in. Uh, who is the second baseman? Went to the Rangers, signed a big Seaman. <clears throat> Semi. Marcus Semien. It doesn't put him in yeah. Semien category, right. yeah. but it puts him around Kettle Marte from Arizona in terms of average annual value. Right. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez is the one guy I do fear may regress. I think yes. he's legit, but he may have the step back and then the step forward. That's what I came up with him. Uh, seven years, twenty-four million. It would buy out all of his oh arbitration years. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> but but that well, buys for, a, for the Guardians. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think he would do. that. Oh yes, he would. I think he would. You do. I, that's three million look a at, year. Look at what Emmanuel Classe took. Classe took what was it? Four years, twenty million. Yeah, but uh, it's the, uh, the seven-year seven part is this, what I have a problem with. Maybe out, three years. It's only no, two no. years of free agency, right? He's still a. It, it, he, no, it's one year free. Agency. Oh, because he hasn't hit. Yeah. He's yet. still a rookie, so it's his three years of pre-arb, right? His three arbitration years and his first year of. And I, I ran these by Meisel, and Meisel thought I was a little high on that number because, because he's so early in his because career. Because he's so early in his yeah. career. Well, you know what, though? When the Indians had their run in the 90s, this is what they did. They, they tied up the Bells, the Bayergas, yep. the Alamar. They tied these guys up to what sounded like big money yep. deals yep. for long years, yep. but they had well, such control, that's why they the were able to win the Central. Done, the so Braves have done an amazing they, job of they doing absolutely that. Have. They've got such bargain deals on great but John players. Hart was really the first guy that I can remember to do that in the mid-90s. Uh, there were a lot of folks around baseball that were looking at what he was doing here thinking he was nuts because it was then big money. Yeah. Well, McKenzie, too. McKenzie's the last one we have. Uh, the comp I used for him was Herman Marquez from uh, Colorado. I'm trying to find it now. He's You got it there? Yeah. Five years, $47 million. It's very similar to the deal. Uh, Marquez got five years, $43 million in 2019 from Colorado and had better numbers than McKenzie has. Uh, but, you know, Tristan had a pretty significant shoulder injury a couple years ago. And his it's, frame scared the hell out of him. Is that one year of free agency or none? Uh, one year free agency. Okay. And, and so that's... I'm just trying to give a baseline framework of what we're looking at. If they can did, you get put some this out yet? Yeah, it came out this morning, so it's on the. What about I hope the Guardians are reading it right now. What about Quan? No Quan. No Quan. No, I had Quan on there. One. I don't know if Quan was the first one we yeah. did. Oh, I'm sorry. What was well, the number? I didn't Quan? see the numbers. This was the hardest one. I put him at six years, forty-one million, and it's it's really hard to comp him because when you He's look at his numbers. Ichiro is really the only comp for him, and that was 20 years ago, and he was a veteran when he got here. Yeah. Uh, so the contract I went off was Michael Harris, eight years, 72 million. He was up for three months and ended up winning Rookie of the Year. And the, the base number, I went year by year. So Michael Harris's deal, the first six years of his deal are five million, five million, eight million, eight million, nine million, and ten million. Just sort of tweaked that and adjusted yeah. a little bit and came up with six. That seems fair. I like it. I would. I would try to sign him like to an eight-year, sixty million dollar deal, something like that. I would just too. Same next and, and, and eight-year deals are becoming yeah. the norm now. It's, they are. So like <laughs> we've seen it. Like I said, the Cabrian Hayes deal earlier on, the Michael yeah. Harris deals. Some of these young guys are signing a lot, a lot longer deals. Right. It really comes up to the player. I'm sure the Guardians have a ton of interest in signing all of these guys to long-term extensions. Yeah. It comes down to the player and if the, how, how risk-averse the player is. Do they want the sure thing money now? A lot of these guys came from nothing. The Latin American players, million they're more a, likely to are do more it. Likely Absolutely. To sign. And if I'm Tristan McKenzie, it, this is a real risk-reward type deal. Yeah. But the stress on his frame yep. and the fact that he's already had a major injury, my goodness, I... You this might is, regret forever right. if you leave that Ask money Mike on the Clevenger. table. Ask Mike Ask Clevenger. Ask Mike Clevenger. He's the, he's the poster child. Um, go ahead and do your read, and then we'll bring we in. We got a read. We're going to bring in DQ, and we got a surprise for DQ. But 
DQ today is brought to us by our good friends at BetJack. The time has arrived, Ohio sports fans. Sports betting is live in the great state of Ohio. You can download the BetJack app today, so you'll be ready to go in on all the action. BetJack, it is Ohio's sports book. DQ, yesterday we had your former teammate Phil Taylor on the show, and Phil did a podcast with BetJack. And I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but he told us a story about you. Steve, let's play it. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do the Quell story, by the way? The Quell? Yeah, tell us, a, tell us he, about the Quail. He comes on with us every week. We love him. The, the fact that he's bald. He oh, the, fir- the first time uh, the D-line, we got him, uh, we let him smell our little smelling sauce before the game. Oh, we, you know the little ammonia pack? Yeah. We had about 20, 30 of them joints in like a, like a, cup. Like a uh, water bottle. Yeah. And oh, he, he ain't really know. Like, he like... <laughs> Dirty. Oh, he hit that joint, <laughs> fell over in his chair. In the I mean, you better chill out. Hey, when your, when your oh arms go limp to the side, it just oh, was yeah. over there. Oh, yeah. He had a great game that day, though. <laughs> That's a true story. That's a true story. Did you know that was coming? You look like you knew what story was coming. Oh, yeah. I had, well, there was a few. I'm glad he told the, the, right. the, the people's yeah. version. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so so what he did was so th- these got the D linemen, they would get a water bottle and they would wrap it with tape. So, you know, Phil and a bunch of guys, I see a bunch of guys just sniffing like the bottom. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Now you want to hit it? I'm like, all right, I guess all right, whatever. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I can I can hear them rattling rattling around, but I I don't think it's like fifty of the the little uh salt the little uh ammonia tabs. Man, listen. When I when I sniffed that, I fell over. Like that that shit surprised. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep cursing. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> like never again. I, and I did go out and have a great game because I was a, I was well awake. I can tell you that, man. That, he got me. He got and that clear your sinuses. Actually, to be truthful, I told him Dequell actually had a, a low tight fade when he before he smelt it. He smelt that. He was bald the rest of the week. He just he just right, went right, with it. Added, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Oh man, man. yeah, Phil, Phil was a good guy, man. He he was uh he was always the guy, man. He he when he when he when he would turn it on, you couldn't block it. It was you had to you had to motivate him. He was so talented, man. And, and then injuries obviously caught up with him. But he he yeah. was one uh he was one of the better linemen I D linemen I played behind. That, sure. He is he is one large mm-hmm. human being. No, he is. He, he definitely <laughs> oh, he, he, he's God. definitely a space. A guy that takes up a lot of space, and I appreciated the heck out of him. <laughs> yeah, we could use one just like him right now. <laughs> By the way, he was—he said, like we were joking about, like some of the players you play with and whatever. He said he loved Johnny Manziel. Is that right? I mean, yeah. I'm sure he was a, a great teammate, but yeah. on the field, he didn't give you much, no. but just foolishness. But uh, you know, you can't—you know—one year of that, a, a few weeks of that, yeah. But like, you can't depend on that guy. There's no way I could have been in the locker room with Johnny Manziel. He could have been. I'm sure he he got along with everyone in the locker room. But when it comes down to it, you need to play. You need to show up on the field, man. He just didn't get it done. So you can't be my friend. Before we move on to anything else, we talked about it on the air, but you weren't with us when we did. Congratulations on your wife. You're having a baby. Oh, yes, yes. I'm having a baby. Girl. I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you, you're having a baby. Look, like, was a little surprise I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, congratulations. You don't, want, you don't want nobody to congratulate you and you don't know what for. You be like, come on now. No, she, she's, she's doing pretty good, man. She, she, I, I tell everyone she's like a human generator. That woman doesn't slow down. We're, mm. we're trying to plan a trip a month before her due date. And wow. 
yeah, the, the woman is incredible. She's doing well. And, you know, it's, it's around that time when she can't sleep all that good, but it doesn't stop that woman. So I, gonna, I appreciate you're, it. You're going to be a girl dad, right? I will be a girl dad. I was wearing my shirt the other day. I should have wore it on, 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 uh, on air here, but I'm excited. So we will complete the cycle. We got the yeah. boy to start it off and the girl to finish it up. No. And I'm hopefully we're done. Hopefully yeah, we're yeah, done. Good that. for you. That's exactly Is what your son did. excited? Like, does he know yet? Like, what's he, he thinking yeah, about? Yeah, he, he claims, you know, he's uh, giving us some baby names that we don't necessarily <laughs> agree with right now. Uh, he's in the, he's in the, um, the uh, monster trucks, and he asked us the other day, can we name her um, uh, Grave Digger? Now, like, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's not going to work, buddy. <laughs> that would be a pretty awesome that. name, though. That's awesome. Yo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> Maybe that could be her middle name. No. No, we're not. <laughs> Grave Digger is no part of my little girl's name. No, I'm I think I'm going ch- to change name. my son's middle name to Grave Digger. No, I like that. Grave, <laughs> last name Digger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grave Digger Jackson. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's doing well with it, but I, I, I'm sure when he realizes his mother isn't for him and that she has mm. to divide her time up, it's going to yep. get very tricky. That's very true. tricky. Very soon. <laughs> we're ready for it, though. Yeah. What's the due date? Uh, April 12th. Awesome, man. Nice. Wow, we're getting close. Man, that's like tomorrow. Yeah, that's, uh... yeah, listen, the nursery's already put together. We oh, had a stroller awesome. show up the other day, the wrong stroller. So I'm like, it's a stroller. Let's just keep it. No, it wasn't the right color, so we had to take it back. Like, oh, all right. Oh, well. <laughs> hey, you, you got many differences right between men she, and women. She yeah. got that take it back. She looked at him like he was crazy. What you mean we ain't taking it back? No, you going to take it back. I put it all together, G. I had the box, everything. I had to unfold it all oh, and put it back no. in the box. Oh, <laughs> But, you know, it's our world. It's our world right now. Yeah, I, have just I understand that for sure. Hey, um, thoughts on the Super Bowl? Oh, oh great game. Great freaking game. I enjoyed I, We had a, a few guests over the house. And, you know, after a while, you you know, you, you start doing the whole, hey, good to see you type of thing. And then it, when I realized this was a really good game, I sat on the couch. I had me a, a drink. I wanted no parts of the conversation. I had to watch this game because it was that good. I thought um, – you know, Jalen Hurts, man, if you had any questions about any doubts about him performing in the biggest stage, uh, I think he, I thought he outplayed Patrick Mahomes, given the opportunity, you know, but uh, Philly, Philly is definitely going to be here to stay. And I've heard people talk about, uh, you know, whether or not he's a top five quarterback. Do you put him above Herbert? I think he's he's uh, earned that right this year to to get in that conversation in oh, terms wow. of the young, the young, great talent, talented uh, throws we have in this game. Holy so it, it was a great game. Holding or not on that last, That's what I was last ask play you, as a defensive guy, oh, yeah, yeah, no, even no, it was it was the right call. I thought it was the right call as a defensive guy. Listen, the way I played the game, listen, I understood. I I would eager and uh, I would scout guys to their jerseys. If I'm wearing, if I'm playing a team that has a dark jersey, I'm wearing dark gloves and vice versa because you can get away with the quite the the quick tugs. And, you know, when you're in open field, you got to be mindful of where you are. And even uh, Bradbury said it after the game. He said, listen, I thought I could get away with it. Uh, he tugged him, and that's all you need in this in today's game. But I don't think the game was, was won or lost based on that play. You got to look at Philly. Philly, you know, fumbled, and it turned into a touchdown. You know, right. so many other instances throughout that game where, you know, things could have gone a different way. But I thought it was a very close game, and they still had a chance to end at the very end. But – you know, you got to give your hats off to uh, Patrick Mahomes and that offense and a- Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Uh, the in-game adjustments, I think uh, Dan Orlovsky, he actually broke it down beautifully. 
in the red zone. Uh, Andy Reid, what he does best, he's able to in-game scout and self-scout and able to stress the defensive rules in order to have guys wide open in the Super Bowl. So I thought it was a brilliantly coached game. I thought the players played well. It was really entertaining. You know, something that uh, hadn't been, you know, the past Super Bowls hadn't been all that great, but this one by far was uh, one of one that stands out for sure. Real quick, do you think you got away with holds because of the color of your gloves? Because I've heard that come up before. Do you recall mm-hmm. moments of like, oh, got got away with that one? And oh yeah, absolutely, the- absolutely. Because you gotta you gotta put yourself in the mind of a ref. You know what stands out, and he's looking with the where I played. You know, I would tell D lineman, hey, listen, you know, if we're playing the Eagles. Wear dark gloves because when you're holding, because I want you to hold so I can get around the block. You know, so that guy doesn't get <laughs> level. So I always had an agenda, a hidden agenda behind it. But yeah, you know, you know, if, if you're a ref, it's easy to spot the the discoloration of of uh, of the glove and the jersey. It's just an easier read as opposed to him really being clear that it's a tug, it's a hold, or whatever it is. So guys do it around the league. I, I'm just amazed that guy guys tend to fall on what looks better as opposed to what gets the job done. And I was always a, crazy, uh, you know, would 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 bold towards getting my job done as yeah. easy as possible. Performance <laughs> over fashion. I wanted yeah. to ask you about yeah. AJ Brown and some comments he made after the game it, during an interview. He actually uttered this phrase, which floored me. Yeah, when we kicked that field goal to go up 27-21, I kind of saw that it's possible we're going to lose this game. I was shocked that he said that. What are your thoughts on that? Wow, that that is surprising. I I couldn't believe it came out of his mouth. There's no way you're thinking you're going to lose this game. At the very least, you gain momentum. You're adding points on the board. Right. This is. Well, well, weren't you well, thinking well, that, Quell? We were saying Sorry it to cut Quell. you off. No, I was no it's it. okay for us to think it because Jay, Jay and but I he said didn't have it. Face on I was screaming, go for but it. I'm not on the field. I'm not on right. the team. Like, the last well, thing you want to think is. Oh, so, is there a difference when you're watching it at home and when you're a player on the field? Oh, no doubt. When you're a player on the field, you're not thinking about any scenario where you're going to lose the game. I don't recall any scenario, even with the Browns for eight years, that I thought. You lost all the games. Yeah, we lost all the games. And every week we had to either I was, you know, it was fool's goal, obviously. But I had to trick my mind to think, hey, listen, we're in this until the clock clock strikes zero, no matter what the score is. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's the luxury of someone. Or. I look at it as, well, did he have confidence in his defense? No. That no. they can go out and stop Patrick Mahomes. I think it's more of an indictment there than anything. Well, Dequell, I, they should, they might need to start putting this in, into the analytics. The way the rules is set up, it's almost impossible to stop a team on, in, in, like, the fourth quarter. If you get the ball within a minute, right, and a team, mm-hmm. you know, you, you up, right, it's right. almost impossible to stop these teams right now the way the rules are set up because you right. got to think about how many different ways a, a drive can be extended. Right. Legal hands to the face. Uh, mm-hmm. you, the holding penalty that's five yards, but it, it, the game, you can have somebody Plus down. The defense is tired by the they end of the tire, game. They tire. It's third yeah. and 17. You get a, a, you get a holding penalty for five yards. They get a fresh mm-hmm. set of downs. It's almost right. in, and then defensive coordinators. If it was me, Hey, listen, if they you play want, scared, if you want to throw a bomb and you get one on one coverage, so be it. But I'm bringing people. I mean, it almost seems like it's scripted because the first play they find somebody over the middle for 15 yards, 20 yards. <laughs> I, 
I mean, why do coaches on the defensive end change their whole complexity? And have you ever been in a game where you like, but we've been stopping them doing this the whole game? Why are we running yeah. this? Yeah, you know, coaches have tendencies just like just like uh, teams do, and you know, for all those reasons, coaches think about the what ifs, like what could possibly hurt us if we play man. They're worried about a PR or a tug in a jersey, things of that nature. So they tend to lean towards quarters in crucial moments of the game and in different parts of the game, particularly in the red zone. So, uh, it, you know, you just gotta you just gotta trust the guys that you have out there and, and and say, you know what, and understand the pulse of your team. I was I was I've been on a few of those bad calls on the back end where we were dominating the team, and all of a sudden we want to take our foot off the pedal and play more coverage. And every quarterback in the NFL understands cover four and cover three. <laughs> you know exactly where to go with the football pre-snap based on the the, the safety. So it made life a lot, a lot lot difficult. And I tell you, towards the back end of my career, G, I knew I was done because uh, there's been many times, I don't know if I talked about it on this on this show, but when I was in uh, Indy, uh, we had a situation where there was a team that was backed up. It was a third and 25. Oh, and I thought it was a mistake by the by the defensive coordinator he called man coverage and when i called it the dbs all just sides like oh my god and i was like wait 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 wait, 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 wait. what do y'all want to call what should we call and why change the call because for that reason man coverage at 30 and 25 if you grab you it's just too many issues that can come out of that so you know so we ended up changing the call and I got cursed out when I got to the sideline, but we got off the call. I got called to the principal's list, the principal's uh, office the next day. And, you know, I told him, I was like, listen, I'm out there on the field. If guys don't feel confident in the call, then I'm not going to do it all the time, but I had to do it at that moment yeah. because they would have lost respect for me and the, and the, the defensive coordinator. So it's definitely happened. Uh, but I knew I was on my way out when I, when I started changing calls. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hey, I can't do this. See, you know too much. You you you, right. you, 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 too, you too know too much. What happened on the play? You said you got off the field? Yeah, we got so so. If you go back and check, they actually, if it was third and twenty-five, they gained twenty-six yards. And luckily for us, there was an offensive penalty. Uh, oh wow! So yeah, by the grace of God, you know, we ended up getting off the field, and uh, you know, I was justified somewhat. You know, it's funny. You said Jalen Hurts is a top five quarterback for it. I'm thinking about it. It's like to me, you got to do it two years before I put you in the top five. But then I'm. But then I'm thinking about the top five or play to Jalen Hurts was fine to, you know, in 2021, but he wasn't a top five quarterback in 2021. No. And, and no. I'm thinking like, so we all know Patrick Mahomes is number one. There's no debate. Yeah. I guess yeah. the argument for the rest of the top five, you got Allen, you got Burrow. Yeah. Now we add Hurts into the conversation. Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Is anybody else mm -hmm. in that conversation or is that it? No, I, I think Deshaun Watson gets there. Well, well, you can't yeah. you can't put him in right now. You can't put him right. in right now because he hasn't right. played at that level for three years. I mean, if years. you think about it, two slots are open. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do if anybody yeah, had right. Aaron in the top five. But with Tom Brady out, there's at least one spot that's open. All right, so and, but I, I think the top three, it's Mahomes. I don't think the then, top three, there's no, no, no. any quibble on all. Well, yeah, Mahomes is yeah. in his own tier, and then Burrow right. and Allen are two and three, however you want to argue. Agreed. And then I think there's four and five yeah. are open for debate. Yep, I agree. Uh, well, I think it's – I would say four, five – Four, five, and six. Well, Go ahead, Dequell. I, I would say this. With Allen, if he comes out and he has a great regular season and he does nothing in the postseason and Jalen Hurts continues to build on what he's doing, yeah. I mean, all these great quarterbacks are judged based on the big moments, and that's right. the playoffs. 
you know, so you, I mean, I, I, I'm with you in, in that regard. I don't want to annoy him too much, but I think he deserves that consideration of, of listen, if, if yeah. Josh Allen, in my opinion, was a, like very slightly below Patrick Mahomes in the past year, he's, he's kind of underachieved a bit. And obviously it's a team sport, but if he continues to underachieve and Jalen Hurts keeps, um, you know, adding on to what he's doing, I think he, it, it's a fair argument to make. I agree. For me right now, I I don't know what you guys think. I would have, obviously, Mahomes one. I would have Burrow two, Allen three. I would actually, I said I wouldn't put Hurts in the top five, but I think I probably would put him at four right now over Uh, Herbert. I think I would because Herbert hasn't won a playoff game. He hasn't won a playoff game, but my goodness, look at what he did in in the playoff game this year it, it was the defense and some of the coaching decisions I hear you but got him he yeah. still didn't score any points in the second half no that hurt I mean it's close I mean Herbert's got more of a track record I think you could argue uh, I, think, I think Lamar Jackson has gone below those guys yeah. he hasn't done anything yeah. in the playoffs either no he hasn't right. uh, but right. but if Jalen Hurts does it again next year and if Allen does not in the playoffs, then I think you move him up. But I, I yeah. think Burrow's got – maybe I'm biased, so you guys no, tell no, me. Burrow is but a, I think Burrow's got to be two right now. Yeah, I, yeah, did, yeah. I, I got a question for you about what Bull just said in Hurts. Mm-hmm. You in a locker room in all positions, maybe quarterback's a little separate, but how quickly mm-hmm. can you tell if a guy's a dude or if he's just a somebody? Like, <laughs> is it, is it an immediate thing? Well, not so. I was wrong about like Joe Hayden, for instance. When Joe was in the Bron- the first three weeks of his career, he was terrible. He couldn't guard <laughs> anyone, anyone, and all of a sudden, it was like he had the mental, you know, just toughness to get through it. And it was almost like a light switch went on. It's like, listen, I've been beating every facet on this football field. I can only, uh, I can only get better from here. And he turned the switch, and he ended up being one of the best players, cornerbacks I ever played with. So, um, but from a quarterback standpoint, or most, you know, you can definitely tell whether or not you got a guy or not, for sure. Tom, or or, or uh, one guy that stands out to me is uh, from Notre Dame, um, uh, quarterback. Oh, my God, I can't. Brady Quinn? Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn looked apart. Uh, he said all the right things, but on the practice field, it was check down Charlie. He would not – you just knew he didn't have that secret sauce that Cleveland needed to get us over the hump. I mean, it's, it, you can you can tell very, very quickly. Uh, but, like, I, I always tell people Joe Hayden was that one guy who I was yeah. freaking wrong about. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be that guy, and I'll, he ended up turning into that guy. Well, I'll tell you, another one of your teammates that I don't know about in the locker room, but a teammate of yours that a lot of mm-hmm. people in the media were dogging when he first started. I, mm-hmm. I got this one right. I've gotten plenty wrong. I thought Brandon Whedon was going to be good. Uh, but yeah. but this guy yeah. I thought was good right off the bat, but a lot people were killing him in the media the first half of his rookie year, and it turned out he might have been a Hall of Famer and he stayed healthy. He certainly was an All Pro caliber player. You say who it was? What Josh a buildup, Mitchell. What'd you say? Oh, I thought you were talking about Josh Gordon. Oh. No, well that's a, he ruined his own career, but <laughs> Mitchell Schwartz. What a oh build-up. yeah, yeah. No, Mitch, Mitch was always <laughs> Mitchell was always say he he followed to the the tune of of Joe Thomas and you yeah. all. I knew in the locker room I was like this guy he he's not gonna wow you he's not gonna talk about what he does and all that good stuff he's gonna come to work with his hard hat on he was gonna be a a steward at his position and man he he had a great career now I didn't think he was gonna go on to play and be as, as successful as he was but I knew he was gonna be a solid player at least have a job did, at least. did, did you know, did you know Trent Richardson wasn't no good 
let me tell you, let me tell you a story. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I didn't. I thought when he came in, I mean, if you saw his legs up close, if you saw, you know, when you turn that tape on throughout the course of a game, like he just, it was hard to bring him down. And uh, there was one guy in the locker room, and I'll see if you guys can figure out who he is before I tell you his name. He was a DB from the Philadelphia Eagles. He had played, he was 10 years, he had probably been 10 plus years in the league. And he was the first person to tell me, he was like, he isn't any good. I'm like, what? Are you serious? Yeah. Do you see this guy on the practice field? And he was adamant. When he was having great games, he was like, he's not good. And I don't know if you guys can think of it. He played DB for a very long time for the Philadelphia Eagles under Andy Reid. I'll tell you if you can't Is it, guess a Sante, it ain't Sante Sam? No, no, he wasn't no, here. Sante Sam, he was only here for maybe two years. No, Dawkins wasn't here. Sheldon Brown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brown, we used to fight every day about it. He's like, I'm like, dude, he's he is the next Jim Brown. He's like, dude, the guy's terrible. He's no good. Why did but he so, know that? How did he know that? You know, and I was blind to it because he was always injured. And listen, we don't know if the guy was, you know, we don't know to what extent how much he had to deal with his injuries. But we saw he saw the way he practiced. Listen, he didn't practice hard. And when he was when he did practice, it was just through the motions. He didn't practice like a guy that had something to prove. And anytime you see that, you know, it's a matter of time before when the ship sails, when you're not when you get injured, when all these other factors or contributing factors add to you not being on the field, you're going to fall hard. And that's just what happened, yeah. man. And the I think he has some other issues off the field as well. Yeah, that he yeah. could really, From my, you know, what was funny is when I'll never forget Trent Richardson after his rookie year, Gets traded to the Colts for a first-round pick. I was there is, with him. What was that? I was there with him when he got when he got traded. Oh, and you... so the 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 I almost cursed again because <laughs> it's so serious. <laughs> like this you guy. You can curse, by the way. You're allowed to curse. Listen, listen, Trent. I I I I hope everything is is you know. I wish him the best, but he just didn't work hard, man. Mm. And he would miss me. It, we we were getting ready to play a playoff game. Uh, mm. I believe it was the AFC. What's the AFC Championship game or the game before, and we, you know Saturdays before the game we have a walkthrough. Everyone's geeked right. up, and you know uh, Chuck Pagano brought out Ray Lewis to speak to us and all these different greats to motivate us. And this guy is nowhere to be found on Saturday. Oh, nowhere to be what found. <laughs> nowhere to be found. Wow. To the point where, you know the the you know top brass and ownership was like, hey, they got a bunch of us together. Hey, what what, what should we do in this situation? I was like, what do you wow. mean? What, what should you do? Should we play him? Should he dress? I'm like, listen, the guy is clearly not taking this as serious as everyone else. We don't need him. You know, let someone else yeah. who wants to, to be on the field play. And we made a decision wow. and the coaches made a decision not to play him. And then from that moment, he was out. He was out yeah. the door, basically. Yeah. When you you wow. mentioned Josh Gordon briefly, from mm -hmm. being a training camp, from a, a, my perspective of watching Josh Gordon, it never looked to me that he was working hard in practice. Did I get that wrong? No, or no, he worked. He, no, no, he worked hard. He okay. worked hard. Man. He got a bad rap because he had all these so easy, a big entourage behind him. But yeah, you're yeah. right, Jay. He made it look so easy. But he was when he practiced, he was unguardable. He was like <laughs> he made sure he came down with every catch. Yeah, uh, and it, it's unfortunate. Like if he, if obviously if some off the field issues would have gotten, you know. Address early on, he would have been a first ballot Hall of Fame. That's how much talent oh, I thought no he doubt. had.
No he doubt. Had about the, it. He had that set. We talked about this yesterday. He had that massive season. He played 14 games because, of course, he was suspended the first two games of the year. Yeah, with 100 different quarterbacks. Right. <laughs> Who was quarterback? Was it Campbell and Whedon, I think, that year? I don't even know. Derek Anderson? Yards, no, it wasn't Derek no. Anderson. Hey, hey Dequell, he's, he's only one of three people that I call got that NyQuil ability. You know how you take NyQuil <laughs> and it sneak up on you? You'd be like, this ain't even working. You'd be like this. Later, <laughs> later. He had NyQuil speed where you yeah. he would just be yeah. like, yeah, I'm walking yeah. away. And then he's gone. He's out of here. Yeah. Randy Moss yeah. used to do the same thing. You'd be like, he don't even look like he's running that fast. Yeah, he made like, everything look easy, man. Everything yeah. look easy. And, you know, he just he had a big entourage. And I don't know what. He just couldn't stay focused. He couldn't stay focused yeah. long enough to, to reap all the benefits the NFL could provide for him. And it's unfortunate. And I know, I know he he's was... playing. I think he's playing the CFL or XFL or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's still him. trying. I know <laughs> – yeah, you were on the defensive side. He was on the offensive side. But did you ever, as a team leader, try to put your arm around this guy and say, look, bro, NFL stands for not for long if you can't get it together? Yeah, Jay, that's a great question. All the time. And at the time, our head coach was um, um, Chud Ch- uh, Chazinski. Yeah. And he would literally, he would pull me out of a meeting. He was like, listen, you got to talk to this guy. And literally, that was an ongoing thing with him. With me and him was like, listen, you know, hey, listen, man, like have a plan. You can do whatever the heck you want to do in the offseason. I don't care where you go. I don't care who you do. Where, I don't care what you put in your body. I don't care. All I care about is from from August to January, you give us your best shot. And how do we how do we figure that out? What can we do to help you, you know, maximize your potential? Because you can help all of us. Oh, trust me, I, I used to give him as much game as I thought I could give him mm. to make it make sense for him to, to put his hard hat on and go to work every day so you can live comfortably for the rest of your life if you play 10 years. Yeah. You know, he had that much ability, but it just didn't register at the shame. time. Did you ever think that you were making some ground with him and think, oh, he heard that message, we're good now? And then yeah, no, Jay, Jay, he was very uh, receptive. He was, he was the yeah. nicest. He's probably one of the nicest, soft-spoken guys you would ever be around. You know, it just he he understood it. He was a smart guy. He's not a dumb guy. He's a smart guy. It's just he was more into his priorities world. He was mm-hmm. more into hanging out, being out. He would buy bottles at the club and wouldn't drink them. You know, he would he would rather smoke. So it's like, why pop the bottles just for show? It, it was it was just misguided, man. Just what a shame. He didn't have enough people in, in in his corner to hold him accountable enough yeah, to fix yeah. that issue. So he's not chasing yeah. you know what he's doing right now. What could have been. Hey, well, give, you, give your time. wife our best. Yeah, congratulations. Well, we will. Will. We'll see you Thank next you week. All right. Thanks for everything, as always. Uh, thanks to Jim Trotter. We, I thought we had a solid show today. We're back tomorrow. Yeah, Stephen A. Overtime is coming up next. Stephen A. on the show tomorrow. Stephen A. Smith to talk about his new book. And who knows what the hell What's his new book about? Stephen I don't even know. A. It's about his life. life. It's an autobiography. Oh. It's tremendous. Uh, we'll talk to Stephen A. tomorrow. See you then. Overtime is next. New York Times. 